Well, good morning, and thank you for being here with us this morning. I'm I'm glad you are. I'm glad we're here to worship together. And today we're going to look at a passage where Jesus and his family are celebrating a holiday at which they give thanks to somebody who secured their freedom for them. It's kind of interesting because this weekend, as a nation, we are celebrating a holiday where we thank the veterans who have secured our freedoms. And so I'd like to just take a moment right now. If you are a veteran and you're here this morning, would you please stand up so we can thank you? You know, we, we take our freedoms for granted a lot, but we really do live in a place that is special, where we have the freedom even just to gather like this and, and worship Christ, our King, this morning. We, so we thank you for those of you who have given your time and, and sacrificed your energies to protect that for all of us. You know, the passage that we are looking at is, is also kind of a unique one. We're in Luke chapter 2 this morning, starting with verse 39. And this is another one of those x-rays that Dr. Luke takes of the life of Christ as he examines the humanity and the godhood of Jesus. And this is kind of interesting because this is one, a moment in Jesus' life that we only get from Luke. Now, if any of you have kids, you know, when you first have that baby, you're in the hospital, but then you have to go home, right? But then... Hopefully things go well, but just in case, you have a one-week checkup. Like, right away, we're going to bring that baby back to the doctor and see how things are going. See if they're developing right, if they're growing right, if they're eating right. Then there's like a two-week checkup, a one-month checkup, a three-month checkup, a six-month checkup. And usually when you get to a year, at least that's how it went with our kids, then you can kind of slow down a little bit and, and we'll check in every year or so. Well, a lot of times when we study the life of Jesus, we're there at the birth and we don't check in again until... He's like 30, and he's starting his ministry. But Luke gives us one more x-ray here. When Jesus is 12, can you remember 12? Do you know any 12-year-olds? I mean, we've been singing this morning about the power of Jesus, the majesty of Jesus, how he is the king. And we picture our Savior on a cross and risen from the grave. And today we get to take an x-ray of a moment when Jesus was a 12-year-old. And one of the things that happened to me when I was 12, happened to me at other times in my life too, but I broke my arm. And I remember going into the doctor, having an x-ray, and he says, you know, kids heal pretty fast. This is only going to take about four weeks in a cast because they're still growing. Oh, that's what Jesus is doing here. And so what's kind of fun about this passage is that we get to watch Jesus grow and grow like Jesus. Right? We always are thinking about how do I be more Christ-like? What does it look like to have his mind, to, to have his heart for other people? How do I grow to be like him? Well, this gives us a chance to watch Jesus grow and grow like Jesus. So look at verse 39. This is coming right out of the passage we saw last week where he was dedicated as a baby in the temple. It says, so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This moment for Luke shows a couple of things about Jesus. And one is that it shows his humanity. That 
Jesus is growing because that's what human children do. (laughs) And yet, just in the simpleness of that phrase, the child grew. We see that Jesus, God in the flesh, has made himself like us. He, He experiences what we experience. It says he became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now that word actually comes back at the end of our passage in verse 52 today. We're going to take a little sneak peek at the end because Luke essentially bookends this story with this other phrase that Jesus increased, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now that word grace and that word favor actually come from the same Greek root that you see on the screen there, charis. It's where we get our word charity. It's this idea of a free gift, not something earned. And in the sense of God giving, it's God freely extending himself to us. So for Jesus to grow in the grace of God, it's not only showing us his humanity, but it's showing us how he's prepared for God's purpose for him. Because Jesus is God freely extending himself to us. And so he grew in grace. And when you see this, you'll notice this throughout Scripture, that there are these pockets of time where somebody is described as growing in favor with God and men. And every single time you see that, it's actually coming from God. That when someone grows in favor with God and he gives them favor with men, it is still God extending himself freely to us. And so we see that beginning to take hold in Jesus' life. We know that that's how he was born. This is what the angels talked about. That's why he's here. And he's growing in it. So then we come to verse 41, and we see this holiday that his family is going to celebrate. It says his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. So this is kind of like a a spiritual pilgrimage that people would take every year. And the picture you see here is of Jerusalem. This is a more modern example, but of people flooding into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And so this was a big deal. It it is a little bit like us for what's coming with Thanksgiving and Christmas, where it's like everything else shuts down because it's the holidays. The holidays that God gave his people were like that, and this is one of them. And so Jesus' family, it would have been, you know, his parents, his cousins, his aunts and uncles, friends and neighbors, all the acquaintances. Everybody gets together, and and they would all leave Nazareth together on this journey to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Now, Passover is a big deal. See, Passover was a holiday where every year they got the opportunity to celebrate freedom that God had given them. If you've read the story or if you've seen the Charlton Heston movie, you know that this comes out of the book of Exodus. And all the way back in Exodus chapter 12, when the ten plagues were happening, the final plague was the angel of death. The angel of death that would go over the land and kill all of the firstborn sons. But God told his people, if you have faith in me, this is what I want you to do, sacrifice a lamb. Spread its blood on your doorposts. And in God's own words, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so this was a moment that God was bringing judgment on his enemies, but said, however, if you trust me, the lamb dies in your place, 
And when I see the blood, I will pass over because I will know death has already been here and I will bring you life instead. And by this, God led his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into freedom. And he says in in Exodus 12, uh, verse 14 says, So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. In fact, many times throughout the Old Testament, when God reminds his people who he is, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. That's this moment. That's what they're celebrating. That's why he says, do this for generations, year after year, family after family, teach your children, your grandchildren. We're going to celebrate this because God brings freedom. God brings deliverance. And they were meant to celebrate it in a very certain way at that first Passover God told them, look, this is it. Freedom's coming. So belt on, robe on, shoes on, staff in hand. Be ready for deliverance. Because the Passover lamb has shed its blood for you. And so when we come back to this moment, we see that Jesus is celebrating this in in obedience to God and with the joy with his family. But Jesus is also here to fulfill this. He is going to be the Passover lamb. That the death that we deserve when God sees the blood of Jesus, he will say, death has already been here. I will give you life. Jesus is our Passover. And so here we see the Passover lamb celebrating Passover. So he's there with his family. And watch what happens in verse 43, because as the days finished, As they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now now take this moment in for a second. This has got to be one of those times where, like, if there is one person you should never lose, (laughs) right? It has to be Jesus, right? They lost the Passover lamb at the Passover. But I'll tell you what, I've had one of those experiences where where something you should not be able to lose gets lost anyway. When my daughter was little, she was probably about two, she had these shoes that squeaked. Now, this wasn't because something was broken about the shoes. They actually made these shoes on purpose so that every time she took a step... So you can imagine, she wore them 24 hours a day. <laughs> she wanted to hear this squeaking all the time. And every st- you can tell when she's walking, when she's running. One day I'm with her at the grocery store. And you've had this happen, right? You're, you're looking at the list and like, eggs. I, thought, I feel like there's like 50 eggs in the fridge already. Okay, where is Belle? You felt that moment? When suddenly you, you've lost a child. And it's like everything else in the world falls away. Everything else drops off. Nothing else matters right now except finding that child. I shouldn't really be able to lose her, right? Fortunately for me, I hear the squeaking one aisle over. She's running after something, but I know she is right there because there was something that helped me find her. But this is the moment that Mary and Joseph are having. And we've got to give them a a little bit of space here because you realize traveling with a group that large, 
it would be easy to think, well, I, I thought he was on your camel. I, I thought he was in your caravan. I, I thought he was walking with you guys. And, you know, at this time of the year, I, I can't help thinking about home alone, right? <laughs> when they leave the house. And there's so many kids getting into that van. And they've all got hats pulled down over their faces. And, like, I'm sure Kevin's in there somewhere until the mom is on the plane. Did I forget something? Like, did I, did I leave the oven? Kevin! Jesus, where is he? And so they go searching for him. Well, we know where he is because Luke has already told us, but there's an interesting verb here. And now I got to tell you, this is a narrative. This is a story. These are action verbs. This is literally what Jesus did. But I think there's some spiritual pieces for us to think about too when we see this. Because it says the boy Jesus lingered. You catch that? He didn't lag behind. It wasn't that he was trying to keep up and he's just kind of slow. Jesus lingered behind. Where do you linger? You know, when I asked my wife that question, her immediate answer was, oh, at our parents' houses after we visit them. Oh, that's a good point. We always, we're going to get up at 6 a.m., we're going to leave by 7 a.m., we're going to be home by... And I was like, oh, it's after lunch. (laughs) I guess we should probably leave. We linger... Because we like it there, and we love those people. You know, we tend to linger in the places we love. You know, I think about 12-year-old Drew. Mom opens the back window. She calls out, dinner's ready. I'm coming, Mom. After I shoot hoops for like 20 more minutes, <laughs> right? Because we love it. We enjoy it. Yeah. Where does Jesus linger? He lingers in the place that he can spend more time reading God's word, talking about God's word, celebrating the freedom that God gives. That when the Passover is done, he's still there. So think about the places you linger. Because if we linger on something positive like this, it can be really good for us, right? If we linger in the places where where we have good community with other people, where we're sharing God's word with one another, where we're being built up in him. But we can linger on things that are destructive too, When we linger on anger, when we linger on resentment, when we linger on temptation and we begin to act like we love those things, but they only hurt us, I think we tend to linger on what we love. And for Jesus, that meant being in his father's house. And so when that moment happens and Mary and Joseph realize that he's gone, You notice what they do? What any good parent would do? They seek him. You know, it reminded me of Isaiah 55, verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You know, this idea that we we seek the Lord. You know, in this situation with Jesus... We realize this is a moment of grace, right? We said that he's growing in grace. Jesus is the representation of God freely extending himself to us. And yet there's still this sense in which we have to seek him as well. Right? That we receive that, that we go after that, that we want more of that, that we want to spend that time with God, that we want to grow in that kind of grace. And I wonder for Mary and Joseph, while it was a literal, practical moment for them if they don't feel something like we might feel sometimes, do you ever feel like you don't know where Jesus is? And it's okay to say yes to that. 
I've definitely felt that way. You know, moments in our lives where we just feel like we can't find him. That we, we thought we were right there, and, and we know he's here, and we know all these verses, and we think all these things, and people keep telling us, God is with you, you know, Jesus loves you, and we just feel like we don't know where he is. You know, maybe it's a, a temptation that you're going through. Maybe it's, you know, a family member who is sick. And maybe it's a lost job or, or, or some kind of trial like this where we feel like, God, I was right with you, and now I don't know what's going on. Well, what do we do in those moments? You know, I'll just speak for myself, but I know a lot of times that's when the anxiety starts to come in. That's when the worry starts to come in. And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if things go this direction instead of this direction? And we start to try to grip more control. And what happens is it begins to crowd in my brain. And I can forget to seek him. And I think we would do good to take a lesson from Mary and Joseph here that when that moment happens, the most important thing that I can do is to seek him. That everything else drops out. That before I even let myself think about these things, I say, you know what, God? Let me set that whole thing aside for a minute and let's, let me just remember who you are. The God who brought his people out of Egypt. The God who came here as a human being to die for us, to be our Passover lamb, to save us, to give us forgiveness so that my eternity is secured. And then we'll come back to this other stuff. But seek God first. Seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer. Seek him by by talking to other people. In fact, that's another thing that Jesus is doing here. As he lingers in this place, verse 46 says, Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. I love this moment that that Jesus is sitting in the midst of all of these teachers right now. He's in Jerusalem. He's in the temple. So this group of teachers who were just here for Passover, either because they stay in Jerusalem or they came from the far reaches of the nation, these are like the best and the brightest. And Jesus is sitting in the midst of them. And look at what he's doing. He's listening and he's asking. He's listening and he's asking. I think this shows not only Jesus' humility, that as he grows, he's seeking the wisdom of other people who have studied God's word. He's asking questions, he's listening. I think that shows his humility, his humanity. And it also gives us a pretty powerful leadership lesson. I mean, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the one who came to fulfill all of the law and the prophets. And he's sitting amongst these human teachers and he's listening and he's asking. I was speaking with a friend recently, somebody who has started a business up in the last couple of years and things are going extremely well. And younger guy, and so when you see this, it's like, wow, he knows exactly what he's doing. He is good to go. But as we talked, what I found out is, even so, he still calls his mentor on a regular basis to just ask questions. Instead of saying, I know how to do this, don't need help anymore, things are going well, I got it on my own, he continues to ask, hey, what am I not thinking about? 
What goes well in the first year but could go wrong in the fifth year or the tenth year or the twentieth year? What, what should I be doing to prepare? How, how do my customers think about this? How do I make sure that I serve them well? I thought, I mean, just what a picture of humility. Because it's so easy for us, especially if we've had success, to say, I know what I'm doing. I got this under control. God, thank you for helping me through that first part, and I'll take it from here. You laugh because you've been there. You've been with me. I've done that too. (laughs) But this is a moment where we see even Jesus himself finds the value in in listening, in asking, in seeking the wisdom of other people. That's one of the things I really enjoy on our staff here as well, that there are There are times where, you know, if I'm prepping for something like this and I'm studying and I'll go to Chad and say, Chad, I'm thinking about it this way, but does that even make sense? You know, give me some of your input. You know, and and Chad and Doug will do the same thing. It's one of the things I just really enjoy is the humility of people to come together and say, is there anything we're missing? And to listen, to ask questions. I wonder, too, what some of Jesus' questions must have been like. Because we see later in his ministry, some of Jesus' questions are really not so much for his understanding, but for ours, right? To kind of let us figure out what we think about him. He asks people, who do you say that I am? Well, he knows who he is, but what do they think? Or he asks the woman, why do you call me good? Right? He begins to tease out of us what we really think about him, what we really believe about him, what we really know about him to help us go deeper, to help us have a deeper understanding. And it says, all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Now, you got to take this moment in. I mean, who's, who's pulling up a chair in this temple? Could it be Nicodemus? Could it be Annas or Caiaphas? Annas was the high priest. Caiaphas after him. Certainly they both would have been around Jerusalem at this time. And it was the Passover. What are all these guys doing over here? There's like a kid talking to them. (laughs) All right. This should be interesting at least. Twelve-year-old trying to explain the law to us. What did he just say? I have never heard anybody explain Isaiah that way before. You said said he's 12? I mean, think about that moment. And, you know, I I love imagining this, and, and the word doesn't give it to us exactly. So I'm just wondering here. But I wonder if Annas and Caiaphas were there. If they met this 12 year old boy, and when they say, what, what, what is his name? Jesus? Yeshua? Do you think they remembered that almost 20 years later when a leper came up to them and said, I was healed? And they say, how? And the leper says, Jesus. Jesus. There's someone here who can do what only God can do and his name is Jesus, I wonder. Or how about Nicodemus? You know, we know that when Jesus returned to Jerusalem years later in his life, it recorded in John 3, and he meets Nicodemus, one of the greatest teachers in the country, who comes to him by night because of what he heard Jesus teaching. 
I just wonder. If somebody asked Nicodemus, did you hear this Jesus teaching? Jesus. I haven't heard anybody teach like this since that kid in the temple, Jesus. Could it be? Because you know, if you hear a 12-year-old talking like that, man, I, I did not talk like that when I was 12. <laughs> right? There's something special happening here. You know, anybody who heard him that day is going to wonder, what is this kid going to grow up to be? I mean, he is like a prodigy. He, he'll probably be one of our greatest teachers. You think Nicodemus put together that this Jesus was that Jesus? I just wonder. Because this Jesus, who could explain the law to them, this Jesus, who, who would fulfill the law for all of us, this Jesus who is the, the horn of salvation, the day spring from on high, who we sang about today, every moment, every glory, every word of, of his name that we celebrate and that we praise, this Jesus was going to be the Passover lamb. Nicodemus would be there at Jesus' death to help Joseph of Arimathea take him off the cross and bury him. Nicodemus would witness his resurrection. And Nicodemus put his faith in Christ. And that's an opportunity for us this morning to think about the question that Jesus might ask, who, who do we say that he is? What do we really believe about him? Am I trusting him as my Passover lamb? Am I seeking him? Am I lingering with him? Am I listening to him? Am I, am I asking him questions? Well, this is what happened when his parents finally found him and they walk into this scene surrounded by the greatest teachers, teaching them, amazing them. This is what it says, verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him what I think any human mother would say, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Like, we are flipping out over here. Where have you been? How could you do this? Look at how he answers. He said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Now, if you've got one of these Bibles where they put the words of Jesus in red. This is the first time ever in Jesus' life that we hear him speak. And look at what he says. I must be about my father's business. It's good, right? I must be about my father's business. If he's, if he's going to linger, if he's going to listen, if he's going to ask, if he's going to grow... There's one place he's going to do it. There's one way he's going to do it. It's by being about his father's business. Well, what is his father's business? Well, we already know, right? It's what Simeon talked about. It's what Zacharias prophesied. It, it's what the angels sang. It's what his name means. Yeshua. The Lord's salvation. He is here to bring salvation. To bring the grace of God. That's his father's business. To know the word, to teach the word, to fulfill the word. That was why he was here. And yet, there's a growth moment here for Jesus. 
But there's also a growth moment here for Mary. And I think both of them can give us moments for growth. Because I think, like Jesus, we want to ask ourselves, where do we linger? And do we linger in places where we can get to know our Heavenly Father better and do His business? To be about His work of showing His grace to other people. To be about His work of learning His word, of understanding it better so that we can share that with others so that they know who He is and they experience the salvation that only Jesus Christ can bring. Now, that's a lot of what we're doing when we gather here every week. Now, this is a place we linger. Now, it's possible that some of us were dragged here this morning and we'd rather leave and you wish I was done. <laughs> but the fact that you're here, this tells me at least one thing. God wants to work in your life. And it may tell me another thing that, that you want him to. That you carve out this time in your week to linger in a place where you can get to know him better and learn how to be about his business. You know, and even when we leave this room, it happens out in the hallway. I see people all the time. We're sitting in the cafe and we're, we're enjoying each other. We're building relationships. We're talking over God's word. Uh, you know, I got stuck in the play place last week. My, my kids always want to linger in the play place. And, uh, and I'm lingering with them, but just got into a, just an awesome conversation with another guy, another dad, who's trying to figure out how to apply the stuff he learned during the message last week. And so we're just talking in the play place for 30 minutes, and, and now you realize the kids are tugging on you. They're ready to go, and we're still lingering. People that get back together during the week to study God's word together, just to linger in that place and say, how do we know our Father better? How do we be about his business? I love that. But I also think there's a moment like Mary's. Because when he answers this way, it says they did not understand the statement he spoke to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. This feels a little bit like that seeking moment. You know, those times that you feel like you just don't know where Jesus is. Well, do you ever have moments where you feel like Maybe he's saying something, but you don't understand the statement which he spoke to you. I mean, he, he said it pretty clearly. Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Oh, of course, because God is his father and he's here to... Well, they didn't understand. And sometimes we feel that way. We hit a situation, we hit a circumstance, we hit an opportunity. We say, God... I need some answers. And we know all this stuff that he said in here. He tells us to, to wait on the Lord, to rejoice in the Lord, to trust in the Lord, to hope in the Lord, to give the Lord thanks. But Lord, someone I love was just put into hospice. Lord, I, I jumped at this opportunity. I thought it was you, and it's like falling apart. Lord, I know all this stuff that you say right now, I don't understand. Now, if you're like me, when I hear the statement, I read something out of here and I don't understand, my first reaction is, I need more answers, Lord. <laughs> I know you tell me to wait, be patient, learn, listen, ask, you know, linger and seek. Actually, right now, Lord, I, I just, I need more answers. I'd like you to make this clear to me. So I'll just tell you, I'm trying to take this uh, for me this week. You can take this if you want to, but look at what Mary did instead. Instead of demanding answers, it says she kept all these things in her heart. 
wonder sometimes if I just need a little more patience, a little more trust to take what he's teaching and just, just keep it in my heart for a while. Because sometimes it's not until a couple weeks later, a couple months later, oh, Father, don't let it be a couple decades later. But sometimes it is. And then we begin to understand. Right? And sometimes we're never sure that we ever got that peace, that we have ever really understood why this was happening. But I think he gives us just enough moments just enough windows into his work that even on the ones that we feel like we just don't see how it's going to resolve, we know we can still trust him because he's been faithful, because he is the Lord, our God, who brought his people out of Egypt, because he is our Passover lamb who went to the cross for us, who rose again for us to give us salvation that we can glorify God. So if he says he's about his father's business, I think we can take that moment and say, God, I know, Jesus, you're doing exactly what you're here to do. And I may not understand it, but I trust you. So my encouragement to you this morning is maybe there's one or two of these things that you might just take home from here to, to seek and linger, to listen and ask. Because that allows us to grow in wisdom and grace. You know, and it may be this time we spend together here. It certainly is the time that, that you spend in here just praying with God. It, it may be going to somebody who's a little bit further on the spiritual journey than you are and saying, hey, I'm in this place, but I'd like to ask you some questions. I just need a little more input. Maybe you've got experience that I don't have that would help me process what God's doing in my life right now. It may be that you find yourself in that position for somebody else who says to you, hey, can you pray with me about this? Can you talk with me about this? I'm not even sure that I believe this, but I need a little bit of help. And you have the opportunity to seek together, to linger in the places where we get to know our Father better and to be about his business. You know, if you're a follower of Christ here this morning, some of those probably sound like they make sense, and I hope they're affirming and, and just says, you know what, that is the piece maybe I've been missing lately. You know, maybe I've been doing that and I want to do even more. If you're not a follower of Christ, you know, if you're not sure that you agree with some of this stuff and you say, hey, listen and ask, you know, maybe that's good, but let me just encourage you, even if you're not ready to make a decision today, it might be a good opportunity just to pull up a chair just to come around Jesus and hear what he might have to say. The greatest teachers in the nation didn't know that he was going to die and rise again. But they knew there was something about him. If you've ever had that feeling that I'm not even sure if all this stuff is legit, but there's something about it. Linger. Seek a little bit. And let's listen together. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful just to be in your presence with these brothers and sisters and these men and women today. Lord, it's an honor to look at your word. It's an honor to study your life. And I just thank you even for this window into a moment where we see you growing, Lord, and, and recognize that it's an opportunity for us to grow too. Lord, help us to be humble. 
to know the places that we still need to grow. Lord, help us to, to seek you in the places where we feel like we can't find you or we don't understand. God, would you give us just those glimpses that we need, just that encouragement that we need, just a conversation with another person that we might need to help draw us a little bit closer to you, to trust you a little bit more, and to see just what our Father's business is really like. God, I thank you that you sent your Son to be our Passover lamb. We thank you for the freedom that we celebrate today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you all for being here this morning. If you want to linger a little bit, we're always around down in the hearth room or standing up front here. And we would love to see you again next week for more of X-Ray. Thanks for coming.